All right. Happy New Year's listeners. Uh, welcome back to Get Inspired and Innovate. Uh, on this episode, we, we just want to talk to you about uh, how to prepare your students and how to get them ready to think about the new year uh, and, and how to get ready uh, for, for the future for the things that they're going to be doing. So I always like to ask the question, new year, new, and then them fill it in with something uh, to go in there. So for me, I'm going to say new year, new opportunities. Stephanie, what do you think? New year, new what? Oh, that's a hard one. New year, new inspiration. Inspiration. All right. And I kind of feel like that goes along with the one word challenge that a lot of people try to start with, with the new year. Have you ever participated in that, Lance? I have not. I have not. So how does that work? It's like a Twitter thing. It started last year and students and whoever are supposed to have this one word and they create this vision board. And that's kind of their motivation for the whole year. All right. So yours is inspiration. <laughs> so, so what would go on your board? Um, I think a couple different things. I want to focus on like digital wellness kind of this year. I feel like in the past I've been a workaholic and that screen time I need to like let go and enjoy the company of people when I'm at dinner, you know, putting up a leg. Um, going to bed, not checking your phone, that kind of stuff. So one of it would be like, I want to be inspired to have a better digital wellness. And then I want to just inspire other people around me. And I think by doing that, being like clear on different goals that I have for them and just setting up um, more of a culture where we're just sharing ideas because our teachers are doing some really awesome things. But yet, a lot of teachers don't know what's going on across the hallway. So being able to inspire others through that. You know, you, you think that's kind of funny, but I was talking to some people the other day, and we've got a nationally known virtual school that's in our, uh, in our district that I work with called uh, VITAL, which stands for Virtual Instruction to Accentuate Learning. And if you go to like uh, FETC or you go to DLAC, uh, you go to these big conferences, everybody there knows what vital is. But then we've got people that's in our own district that work in our district that doesn't have a clue exactly what we do every day. So uh, I think that you bring up a good point, you know, letting each other know across the hallways and uh, in our districts exactly what we're doing. Uh, so, so mine was opportunities. Uh, and I think mine would focus more on just the opportunities for new relationships uh, and to work with new teachers. Uh, we've been working on personalized learning very heavily in our district. Uh, we started with middle school and then went to elementary. And this year, now we're going to be working with the high school teachers. Uh, and, and high school teachers can sometimes uh, be a little bit different beast to, to work with uh, because I feel like that they're area experts. Uh, and, and sometimes I'll walk into a science classroom or an English classroom and they're like, aren't you a math teacher? And I'm like, yeah. Well, then how do you know how to tell me what to teach? But I feel like there's good practices that we can take into all classrooms and teach them how to look at data, how to look at students' interests, how to look at, you know, how kids learn and teach all of those students. So that's the opportunities that I'm going to take this year. Also, uh, at all the, at the, uh, the conferences that I'll be speaking at this year, I am, uh, I've got two new series that I'm starting. Uh, one is called the Chrome Domes. And uh, if any of you have ever seen me and my boss, 
Uh, we both have the Chrome Dome look going on. And as you can probably expect, we're going to be talking about Chrome and how to use Chrome to enhance your classroom. Uh, the, other, the other series that I'm going to be doing at all the conferences this year uh, is going to be called My Story. Uh, and this is one where we just talk about giving the students the opportunity to tell their story in the classroom and how to do that with some digital tools. Just once so you can build that community to get to know your students better, uh, but two also to give them the opportunity to work with some of these digital tools to tell their story. I like that. All right, so that brings us to our guest tonight, which feeds right into what we've been talking about. You know, a new year, start of a new year. We have Miss Tony Westcott with us tonight. She is a former primary school teacher uh, who now currently works with over 15 schools around New Zealand. Uh, she's a Kiwi that was with us in Sydney, Australia. Uh, she also, alongside of all that, has a postgraduate cert certification in digital and collaborative learning. Uh, Tony has just completed her master's where she investigated uh, the factors that influence the efficiency of professional development for teachers. And Tony is also a Google certified educator, trainer, and innovator. And like I said, she was one of our Kiwis that was with us in Sydney 19. So welcome to the show, Tony. Thanks for being with us tonight. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I've got to ask for you, new year, new, what, what's your, what's your word? I'm going to go with connections, so new connections. All right. And if you're building your story out, how, how made me build my story out there? How, how does yours kind of build out from connections? I think um, in a couple of ways. So I'm always looking to connect with people. People are just so important and you can learn so much from people um, and all different kinds of people from different places. So that, you know, that was part of what Sydney was about as well. So um, recognizing how important connections can be with people, even if you just learn something or have a coffee or say hello or come on a podcast. <laughs> um, and then also sort of within the own work that I do. So just continuing to create connections for teachers to um, make their own connections with learning so that they can make the learning better for, for the students. So, so one thing I remember about you, Tony, when we were in Sydney was you were always kind of that one person who brought the, the sunshine and the, the brightness <laughs> to the classroom. You, could all, you always had a smile on your face and uh, you always made everybody feel welcomed and, and you were just pleasant to be around. Yeah, you were very, I love being around you. You're just awesome and your positivity just kept going on and everybody in our group, because she was a part of my group with Emily, so team hybrid. And it was just awesome being around you because the feedback that you provided was so on, like, very um, honest and to the point, but you did it in a positive way. <laughs> and so it didn't, like, hurt anybody's feelings. And we were always like, okay, Tony, what do you think of our idea? <laughs> so I really do appreciate it. And you're one of the people that thinks outside of the box. Oh, those are such kind words. Thank you. <laughs> so, so Tony, can you can you tell us about your project and 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 how it's going and and just what it is and you know where where you're at with it right now? Yeah, so I'll just um give a little bit of background. So my my initial problem was that, um, and, and I, I guess it's a problem around the world, but mainly in New Zealand, we find that um. Uh, year three and four, so that's like eight and nine-year-old students, get their Gmail accounts, get their Google accounts, and, um, you know, teachers perhaps either don't have a lot of experience at themselves, with the, at themselves, or these teachers are raring to go, but our students sort of needed a lot of explicit teaching around even just how to make a folder in Drive and how to, um, you know, make a Google Doc and put it in the right folder. So all of those kind of 
really basic skills, fluency skills that are kind of boring to teach, you know, and they sort of have to be taught in isolation before you can put them into a really kind of personalized learning context or exciting, engaging learning context. So I wanted to solve the problem on how I could get students to independently upskill themselves without the teacher having to be the person that takes the time out of their classroom program to teach them, or if that teacher doesn't have the skills, then those students aren't gonna miss out. So what I've created is, um, it's an interactive online learning platform designed for students aged seven to 12 years, and they work through um, sort of gamified context-based challenges um, to learn and practice these digital skills. So currently I, the project or challenge that is live is the ocean challenge. And I'm guessing by the time that this is airing, there'll be a few more out there. So um, there'll be uh, challenges around um, Matariki, which is a Māori New Year here in New Zealand, but there'll also be challenges around, I'm going to do a literature adventure and sustainability. So contexts that are quite relevant in our, in our world and in our schools at the moment. I like that it's game-based. Um, so kind of describe what you use to make it game-based. Like what parts of the project? So currently I ended up using Google Slides because my own knowledge, I guess, was quite limited and my own experience in terms of creating a gamified um, platform. And all the, all the gamified platforms are quite like involve quite a lot of coding um, and cost. So I wanted to make something that I could deliver for free because I think it's important to me that these kind of resources remain free for teachers. Um, so I've used Google Slides and it's sort of a, it's using the hyperlink comp, um, kind of um, skills. So basically there's buttons that you can click on that link to the different slides that take you to the next challenge and the next, and the help videos and things like that. So. Um, yeah, Google, Google Slides, and then it's all embedded on a Google site. Awesome. So how many students do you have currently doing this? Um, currently, so it launched on October 1st. So it's October 2nd here in New Zealand right now, and I've already got 400 students um, signed up, ready to rock and roll. So from all over the world as well, which is outrageously exciting. Wow. Um, wow. So yeah. this isn't just the 15 schools you work with. You've got people from everywhere. That's, that's dangerous. Yeah. And I've tested it on some real live children <laughs> before, going, <laughs> before going live and they were amazing. So they gave me such great feedback. And one of the children said to me, oh, what happens when you, um, when someone from a country that doesn't speak English wants to do it? Are you like, you're going to need to translate it. <laughs> and um, I've already had um, a lady from the Netherlands approach me and want to work with me about translating it into um, her language. So, yeah. That's, that's great. That's awesome. And but, that's where you kind of go with your word, the connection piece. Like, yeah, so I feel like Google really helped us build those connections and sharing your project out. Now you have more feedback from others, but that's really cool that a kid said that because I think once you do translate it, they're going to feel like they had a voice and you listen to that voice. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now one, one thing I have to clarify on this, there was, there was no children or, or animals harmed in, in this process, correct? <laughs> no, 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 just um, many sleepless nights. <laughs> uh, many sleepless, well, I, I just wanted to make sure, you know, when we start talking about testing on kids, we, we, got, to, we got to make sure there's no harm being done here. <laughs> no, they're all willing participants. <laughs> willing participants, awesome, awesome. So, so, all right, so you got this going on in, in many different countries, and I was in Sydney 19 with you, uh, and... Uh, of course, this is showing my ignorance here, but how do I get my students to, to you? 
Awesome. So um, to sign up, you can go, it's like a bit.ly link. So it's bit.ly slash G, just a G, with kids, and that will take you to the website. Um, I'm pretty sure the link's going to be in the show notes. And from there, there's all sorts of different parts to that site. So there's like the about, there's the challenges, and then there's a sign up page. So on the sign up page, you can sign up if you're ready to go with your whole class, or you can sign up just to have a, like a teacher sneak peek. So that just gives you access to one challenge. And then you can have a look and see if it's right for you before you sign up your whole class or your whole school. <laughs> so, so let's say that uh, I, I'm a lab teacher and I'm wanting to sign up, you know, 200 students at, at my school. Uh, to go through this program. Um, is there any way that I can get any data back or anything uh, from, from what they're doing right now? Or is it just kind of a self-paced for the students? It's relatively self-paced at the moment, um, mainly because it's not on some sort of analytic kind of website that collects information on the kids and what they're doing. But um, at the end of each challenge, there's a leaderboard. So um, students put their um, details into the leaderboard and then... Um, <clears throat> I at the moment cross check with the because basically they create something that they then have to share with the, the main character in GWiz Kids whose name is Max. So once they've shared that with, with Max, I then line it up with the leaderboard and if they've shared the right thing and their name's on the leaderboard, their name stays there. But if they haven't shared the um, project, then their name comes off the leaderboard. So that's kind of the way we're keeping the kids accountable. Um, and cele also celebrating what they've what they've achieved alongside hopefully 400 other students. I love this idea. I think that it's great. So how how did you get the insight to do something like this? And, and what's your background that that has given you the the knowledge to be able to create this, these uh, skills? Um, so I'm a primary school teacher, which is elementary. I'm, I'm assuming. Um, and I've taught all sorts of year levels from year two, which will be six-year-olds right up to um, like 11-year-olds. So I've had, I've kind of got, um, had some experience with lots of different kinds of kids and lots of different ages. And I just thought, what would kids enjoy doing? And what would teachers, what do teachers want out of this? So from kids, it kind of needs to be engaging and that gamified context is, is becoming more and more popular in education at the moment. Um, and I wanted it to be as easy and user-friendly as possible. Um, both for students and teachers and then from the teacher perspective how can I make it not another problem or another thing for teachers to add to their plate I mean initially it might take some setup and you might have to talk your kids through it but I'm I'd love it to end up being something independent that kids um, work through and my initial idea was actually how can I get kids collaborating and teaching each other um, that piece isn't quite there yet I thought if I eventually get to some sort of platform where the kids can be commenting and sharing and things like that, that would be amazing. But at this stage, um, I'm hoping that that'll just go on within the classroom. So one of my tips is to get your students, um, like identify your experts early. And instead of the kids coming to you to ask for help if they're stuck, then, then going to those experts who have already maybe achieved a challenge or have passed that level or whatever it might look like. So, so Tony, um, it, I know that you're working with a lot of school districts and doing things like that. Um, and I, I know this kind of sounds self-paced, but when you're out providing professional development for, for teachers, um, what, what research have you done uh, on, on the best type of PD to provide for them so that they can, after these students learn these skills, that they can then foster those skills that the students have learned, whether they know how to do it or not? 
Yeah, so um, after being in the classroom for the last five years, um, I got this amazing opportunity to work with lots of schools around New Zealand facilitating professional development and digital technologies. So um, here in New Zealand, we've just had this um, new initiative by the government where we have this brand new digital technologies curriculum, which sits within our current curriculum. And it's sort of, it's, it's been a bit scary, I think, you know, to have this sort of um, dropped on us as teachers and another thing to add to our already very busy curriculum. So um, I feel very lucky to have this job where I get to go around and, and work with teachers on how to do this. And um, I have just finished my, well, I finished my master's in July last year. And um, it was looking at how can I make professional development um, the most effective because I don't want to waste teachers time and I think we've all been in professional development where you've sat there and you're like holy moly this is really boring or this is not going to help me I'm going to do my emails or whatever it might be and so my mission is to to like not be a boring PD provider so I felt like I really wanted to drill down into what that might look like so my research was around well what are the what are the factors that contribute to effective um, professional development especially in digital technologies so the things I found out um, there's sort of five key factors that I found out and the first factor was most teachers don't want it to be an on top of what they already do so they don't want to sit in PD and then have to go and do like five hours work after the PD just to, to learn what they have to learn. So um, sort of right here, right now, PD is what, it, is what they want. Um, the second thing is they want it to be really hands-on. So they want to actually have a go at what, especially in digital technologies, um, where it is really hands-on. So having carved out time where they can play with scratch coding or play with the robot, or have a go at making a Google slide, um, they want to do it first because then they can see the benefit for their students. Um, and it has to be practical as well and relevant. And the third time was, uh, the third, third factor was, um, this kind of came out of the, the experiences that the, the teachers had was that they need to be seen, teachers need to be seen as unique. Every single teacher is different. We all come with our own sets of abilities and beliefs and, you know, interests and things like that. And I think, we can't just do one size fits all anymore. We have to come up with a model that allows for different teachers to be at different stages and take on what they're really passionate about alongside that. So if I meet a teacher who's amazing at art, loves art, um, I'll try and fit it into art rather than say, hey, you've got to do it for this, you know? So taking what they, the uniqueness of them and actually leveraging that um, in the digital technologies has been really powerful. Um, and then the last one has been around discussion and collaboration. So working in isolation sucks for anyone um, and especially in teaching. And sometimes it can be hard to break if you've always been working in isolation. But as soon as we kind of break down those walls and encourage discussion and facilitate um, the collaboration, it just kind of, you know, two heads are better than one. So that's kind of the key things I've been working off um, this year. And, and today it's been really, really successful. And I think... Um, bonus one the other thing that really matters is the facilitator so whoever's actually doing it you've got to be passionate and excited and driven and organized and all of those things that make a good facilitator so um it's been yeah it's been fascinating and i'm excited to to share i'm kind of finding ways now to share um my findings with the world but one step at a time <laughs> yeah when i first started teaching i mean it, a lot of it was in addition to what i was already doing and so you've got all these plates as a teacher and you don't have any more room for all the food that you're getting and you don't know what to cut because everything's so important. 
and all the different departments are telling you what they want your focus to be. And so that was hard. And then I felt like too, like it wasn't hands-on. A lot of it was sit and get. And a lot of it was not unique to the individuals. It was just, here's what you need to learn. And everybody's gonna sit during this training through it, even if you don't teach this subject or um, they didn't make it relatable to your subject that you were teaching. There was hardly any discussion because it was that sit and get. And then the facilitator was just, you know, kind of there. And it, and you're right. Like, I feel like in our district, at least, PD has shifted. I mean, that was six years ago. And I mean, when I first started, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awful, like sitting through here. And then it's so true that like, you have to think, okay, how can I not make this feel like an addition to the teacher's workload, but just add it in with what they're already doing? Or what can they take out to add if it, they need to be adding something else. Um, Hands-on is so important because a lot of times if you're sitting and just getting, you're not gonna go back to your classroom because you're not confident about that new tool. That hands-on piece really adds that confidence to your learning. And then everybody's so unique. Like I've got teachers, you know, that are beginners with technology and I've got the advanced users. And so I have to remember that because when you're describing how to use a tool, you don't want people sitting there bored because they already know how to click through the steps and you don't want the people that aren't as confident to be like, what is she talking about? <laughs> um, so you really do have to set up that differentiation in your PD. And I feel like teachers are like students, like just like a classroom and kind of like what Lance was saying with the personalized learning at the beginning, we have to do that for our teachers. And then allowing the, the discussion and collaboration time that's truly when a lot of people are will try new things because the teacher down the hall is saying this worked in my classroom and I'm struggling with this set of kids behavior wise or whatever and another teacher saying I've done this and it works so why don't you try it they're more willing to try strategies when it is that discussion and collaboration so, so let me see if I get this right, Stephanie. I, I think what you and Tony are saying is not only with our students do we have to scaffold our learning and differentiate our instruction and personalize our learning. We get all those tag words in there, but we also have to do that with our PD. Now, the tricky thing that I found with especially instructional technology and, and PD is you know, a lot of times we assume the ones that have been here the longest or have been around the longest should know, and again, we're assuming, should know how to do these things. But it's kind of right the opposite with instructional technology for me. You've got all these young kids coming out of the universities or out of college, and they've got all these new uh, tips and tricks and things to take in the classroom to engage students. And then our more seasoned teachers are like, give me a whiteboard and a book. Um, now, me, I'm kind of right in the middle of that. I think we have to find a way to take the more seasoned teachers experience and advice, but then incorporate the uh, students that come right out of the university, all their tips and tricks and bring it together to make the best package to take to our students. Yeah, and sometimes the students right out of college even struggle with technology. Like I, I've noticed that like some of them are not as comfortable as you would think they were because you were like, come on, you've grown up with technology. Like 
you had Facebook and like Twitter and like all this stuff. And sometimes those teachers are just as nervous to try things. And I don't know what causes that. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of teachers um, this year and a lot of them will go, oh, they'll just pick it up. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll learn it. They'll just know it. And this is about like, you know, basic Google skills or logging on and things And I'm like, no, they won't. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, you know, they grow up. And I said, yes, they grow up, but they grow up in a very consumer kind of way. So technology, mm -hmm. when you're, when you're kind of absorbing it by osmosis is consuming. So you're playing games, you're taking photos, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas what we're asking kids to do and how we're transforming learning is, is the creation. Like, how do we get kids creating? And I think that requires some very deliberate digital skill teaching and that's what I'm kind of hoping to achieve through the GWIS is how can I take mm -hmm. that responsibility off the teachers to have to be the be all you know fontable knowledge for those digital skills which they may not be and then be able to really focus on um, the you know the deep learning that can can happen once you know those basic skills and I'm sort of seeing GWIS because I've, I've said to teachers who have signed up, I said, have a go first, like do the, do the challenges first, um, skip through all of the, you know, me droning on instructions, but have a go first because once you have a go, like not only perhaps might you learn something, but you'll be able to be in a space where you know what your kids are going to come up against. So if they go, oh, you know, how do I create that Google Doc and you don't know how to do it, at least you've had a go and maybe you can kind of learn alongside so I'm, I'm trying to put the power back in the hands of the kids and, and the teachers, um, whether you're really experienced in technology or not. Yeah, and this generation is so different, I feel like, than any other because they have had technology. And what is really interesting to me is like teachers are like, oh, they need me. They can't, they can't do anything without me, you know, like <laughs> use YouTube to search things. But at home, they're going home and they're probably watching a YouTube video on how to beat the level in a video game or how to do their hair and makeup, or how to learn a dance. Mm. So they know those skills, but teachers want to set these boundaries on these kids and kind of fence them in and be like, nope, you can't do it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to our meme and quote section. Oh, my. All right, Tony, what is your meme or quote for this week? So my quote is from um, Brene Brown, who is quite um, popular at the moment around daring leadership and daring greatly. And her, her words are, there is no innovation and in creativity without failure, period. And I think that that has been a huge learning curve for me because um, I think I grew up in a time where failure was looked at as something really negative. And if you failed, then, then there was no trying again. Um, and the school system's changed a lot since I was at school. But... I'm excited to now kind of embrace that failure and realize that if I don't um, try and try again and fail and put things out there and just um, give it a go, then there will be no innovation and creativity. And at the end of the day, I really value those two things. So you kind of have to have the good and the bad, right? So that's my quote. Yeah. And so then mine is um, with Oprah and it says, you have an idea, and you have an idea, and wait. And I just feel like we just build off each other when we have like, different ideas. So I definitely felt like that with you at the Google Innovator Academy, because you would just throw out an idea, then another idea would come, and then another idea, and just kept growing. <laughs> and we didn't stop. <laughs> Lance, what's yours? Well, and mine kind of goes along with Tony's. Mine's not really a meme or a quote, but it's just uh, kind of an infograph-like. It's the iceberg illustration. And if you've never seen the iceberg illustration, I think it's something really good to look at because, you know, everybody only sees the, the top of the iceberg. 
you know, and how beautiful and pretty it is. And, and so many times I've had people come up to me and say, man, I want to do that. Or, you know, this is great. I'm going to go do it when I get back. Or, you know, they, they see something and they think it's great, but they don't understand all the levels and the layers that's underneath it. Uh, you know, the persistence, the failure, as Tony was talking about there, how many times you actually failed when you did something. Uh, the sacrifices you have to make and the disappointments that you have. You know, there's a lot of things that go along with it. But then on the other side of it is you've got to have those good work habits. you got to have hard work and dedication. But but people don't see that. All they see is, oh, well, you're successful. I want to be successful too. I'm going to run out and do that. Well, it's not that easy. And, uh, you know, you've got you've to have these good habits and you've got to be willing to go through some stuff in order to be successful. And I think Thank I <laughs> I was going to say, and I think you also have to find what you want, what you want to be successful at. I think, you know, you can look at what other people have become successful at and try and kind of mirror that pathway. But, um, and, I, and I think like I've done that in the past, like I've looked at people who are successful and be like, oh, cool, I'd love to go down that route and I'd love to go do that as well. But I think, you know, you've just got to find something that you're passionate about because, you're not going to stick with anything unless it's you. Like it's in, like the integrity is there that it that it's about what you want to do, not trying to achieve or mimic someone else's success or goals. That's my. You know, and I was listening to a uh, famous uh, artist one time. And I don't, I don't, I don't remember if it was, it was Elvis Presley. It was, it was a, uh, something that they talked about with Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson, and it talked about being famous. You know, people talk about wanting to be famous but they don't realize the price that they have to pay and the sacrifices that they have to make uh, in order to be famous. They did an interview with them uh, like weeks before they died. And Elvis and Michael Jackson both said how miserable people that they were because they couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't do anything. And, and they were actually captured by being famous. So be careful what you ask for in the past that you go down because sometimes you might get it and you may not like it. Yeah, and I think too, we have to show the students that failure cycle mm -hmm. and how it's okay. Like show them our thinking and when we do um, get to our end point, show them that process that it took because I think a lot of times we do just want to share our successes, but a lot of times that failure does help everybody try new things. So my tool is um, in Google Sheets. So I've only just learned this and it's probably something that some people already know, but I found it super helpful. So with my GWIS um, Academy, I've got lots of forms that people fill out. So I've got the leaderboard, the sign up sheet, the teacher sneak peek, the feedback form, all of those forms. And I kind of wanted a way where I wouldn't have to keep going back into each um, a sheet and see if there was a new response so there's actually a really cool tool in the um in sheets that's already in sheets that allows you to get email updates if someone um fills in your form so under tools under uh, notification rules you can set the notifications that you want to get so you can notify your email when a user submits a form and you can get it um, as a daily kind of breakdown if you've got lots of people maybe filling in your form or you can get it as a um, right away email so also really useful if you are using google forms as a way of 
um, assessing students or as a homework task or as any kind of task with students if they're filling in a form then you can get an email straight away when students have um, filled in that form which is pretty neat we yep. use forms in New Zealand for um, like permission slips so if we've got like a camp coming up um, we just send out a Google form to our parents and they fill it in. So that's been really helpful for me rather than having to check back all the time. If I've got all the people signed up, I can just get that email um, right to my inbox. Yeah, we use this in, in my district for our help desk. So if, uh, say, an email account's not working or a password's not working, uh, they can go in and fill the form out, and then it'll it'll ping me just saying, hey, this has been changed, and I can open it up, see what the problem is, and, and then go fix the problem. Nice. Yeah, I wish more of Google products had, like, sheets options, like, the protect the um, range. I wish that was in Google Slides because I wish I could lock a certain slide to students and I wish too like with sheets like that notification getting the notification when someone updates the Google Slide presentation because I'm like mm. constantly checking back when I am co-leading with someone so it'd be nice to know for sure they're done with their part. <laughs> um, so my um, idea for the week is learning roadmaps. So with the new year really focusing on the learning and how students are getting to that end goal. So there's, um, I used to teach Orton Gillian, which is a basic reading program for students with disabilities. And there's five different levels. And I would just go with my students and as they would um, conquer and master material, they would be able to change their zero to a two, and then it would change green and we would calculate how far they are to the end and that way students could see, okay, where am I at in this long journey? And that way they could see how they're mastering material and um, going back and just reflecting on what they're learning. So I just wanted to kind of share that idea for the new year. Yeah, and I've, uh, in our virtual school, I'm, I'm constantly building online classes and working with other teachers to build online classes. So we're always looking for uh, free open ed resources. Uh, and I found a new one this week that I thought might be interesting to some people. It's called openstacks.org and it's stacks, S-T-A-X. Uh, and it, it's just got some really uh, neat math, science, social studies, and business content in there. So I was building a uh, pre-calculus class the other day and was, uh, was just looking for some, some good content that I could include in it that was free and uh, found OpenStax and seemed like it'd be a pretty good little resource to share with everybody. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And Tony, how can people connect with you? So I'm on Twitter at, at Tony underscore Westcott, um, or I have an Instagram at Tony.teachers.tech. Um, or if you have any questions around GWiz, you're welcome to email me at gwizkids at gmail.com. All right. So thank you again for listening. If you would like the show notes, there are at getinspiredandinnovate.com. And we hope that you um, join us with creating that one word for this year. And I forget what Lance said. How'd you say it, Lance? Opportunities. No, the new, new year. No, no new, new year, new question mark. So There you go. New year, new question mark. So let us know what that question mark is for this new year. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>